Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Oh, good morning, Glenridge Church. It is great to be with you this morning. Uh, For those of you that couldn't make it to our worship evening last weekend, um, in the evening it was a fantastic time. And connecting with God, connecting with each other, uh, breaking bread together, and uh, really, really a phenomenal time. And uh, we've got another one coming up on the 28th, so, so come and join us. Come and be part of uh, what God's doing alongside His people and in the life of the church and the community that we're part of. This morning, I want to talk about fruitfulness. I want to I talk about the subject of fruitfulness um, the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, when, when God produces something in somebody or the kind of productive edge of the kingdom of God, the, uh, if you want to know what, what life with God produces, it, it, the Bible talks about that as being fruit. Uh, it talks about it as being fruitfulness. So it uses this kind of farming metaphor of fruit. And... Uh, Kingdom life, God, God life in us, and we, when we live in that God life and we become productive in the kingdom of God, we produce fruit. And um, the fruit of the Spirit, some of us might know of that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, kindness, patience, self-control, to, to name a few. There's a, there's a, it's, it's what the Spirit of God does, produces in us as He works in us, is this fruit that enables us to, to relate well to people and to connect well into a community. Um, the Bible also, ta- also talks about fruit, the, 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 the fruit of lips that praise your name. Uh, there, there's the sense of when our lips begin to, the, the, the fruit that comes from our mouths and from our lives, when we begin to praise his name, it's, it's, what, it's what praise of God produces um, is this thing called fruitfulness. And this fruitfulness is expressed in many different ways, but I think three ways primarily Probably in our character, kind of in the, who we are in the dark, it's, it's fruit gets, gets produced in our character, in our hearts, in our beings. Um, it also gets produced in our conduct. Uh, the, it's the, the fruit of life with God is a, behavior, is a behavioral change. It's, a, it's the way we conduct our lives. It's the way we talk to one another. It's the way we interact with one another. It's character inside, but it's also that which is outside of us. It's, it's the way we, we live life, the way we do life, our conduct, so our character and our conduct. And then thirdly, I think the, produce, the life of God produces fruit in us through, and uses us as a conduit or a, or a channel, if you would like. We, we become a, a vessel that God uses to bring fruit to others, to bring impact into the worlds in which we live, whether that be at work, in our families, in our homes, um, wherever we are, whatever context we're in, we, we're available to God. We produce the fruit of the Spirit. We produce fruit of the kingdom life of God when we avail ourselves, when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, when we, when we begin to get used by God in acts of generosity or whatever it might be. Uh, I, there's, it's, it's a fruitfulness that comes from the Spirit of God. And... Uh, so those three things, I think, are key aspects to our fruitfulness, our character, our, our conduct, and our conduit, being used as a channel of God, to be used by Him. And I think these are ways that God produces fruit in us. 
And one, I just want to go through a few things around fruitfulness. First of all, I want to ask the question, or, or, or state the fact more likely, is that God expects and empowers us to be fruitful, number one. God expects us and empowers us to be fruitful. Number two, all God fruit is characterized by four things. And I'm going to talk about those four things. I'm also going to talk about, thirdly, what stops fruitfulness? What stops us being fruitful? And then fourthly, I'm going to ask the question or state the fact again, sorry, to be fruitful, we need to sow. I want to talk about that and, and, and look at what we need to sow to be fruitful. So, so I want to work through those four things as we get through this morning's message. So first of all, God expects and empowers us to be fruitful. No believer, no follower of Jesus is excluded from being fruitful. And when I say fruitful, I'm talking about the field of our lives in which our character is in, our conduct is part of, and our ability to, to be used by God as a channel for his blessing, a vessel for his blessing is used. It's, it's, when I say it's, it's the field of all of our lives, it's, it's not our church life, it's all of our lives is meant to be fruitful to God. And we see this very characteristically in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 12 is the beginning of the story where Jesus walks past a fig tree and he curses the fig tree for not having fruit on it. And uh, the disciples are a bit amazed at what happens. And then he kind of explains to them what, what, what's going down here. But it's quite amazing because actually the reason why Jesus was judgmental of that fruit tree was that it had leaves on it. He comes across this leafy tree that hasn't got leaves. And so a leafy fig tree meant it was meant to have fruit. If it had no leaves on it, you wouldn't expect it to have fruit. But because it had leaves on it, it was expected to be that time of year to be fruitful. And so actually what was happening here is that actually Jesus was actually condemning and being judgmental of that tree for false advertising. It was saying, hey, listen, I'm, I've got lots of leaves, but I've got no fruit. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, actually, no, 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 we're meant to be fruitful believers. And I want to ask this question of us as believers, and I'm going to get into one or two other scriptures here about, about the way God expects us to be fruitful. But my question to us is that so often, friends, we, are, we live leafy Christian lives rather than fruity Christian lives. Actually, what God expects us to be is to be full of leaves, full of, that, full of the, the kind of characteristics of a tree that's fruitful, but not just to be leafy, but to be fruitful. And when I say living a leafy Christian life, this is a question, are we living leafy lives or are we living fruitful lives? And a leafy Christian life is kind of, is one of those lives that kind of just ticks the box. Yes, I've done my bit. I've gone through my thing. If I'm at home affairs, I tick the form. A Christian, when it asks me for my religion, it's, it's kind of a leafy life. It's kind of we do all the right things and kind of are seen to say the right things and seen to be at the right places. But actually, if you look at our lives, there's not much fruit. And Jesus is saying, actually, I want fruit from us. Somebody humorously asked this question. If you were accused of being a follower of Jesus in a court of law, if you were accused of being a follower of Jesus, would there be sufficient evidence to convict you? Would there be sufficient fruitfulness in your character, in your conduct, and in your ability to be a channel for God 
to convict you of being a believer. Uh, it is a humorous statement, and I, I can't remember who said it. But I think it's one of the questions that many of us need to ask. Actually, what is the evidence? What is the fruitfulness of our lives that is declaring to everybody around us that I'm a follower of Jesus? I'm not just a leafy follower, but actually I'm a fruitful follower of Jesus. And God is calling us to live fruity lives, fruitful lives, um, to have the leaves but had, add some fruit, to be productive, to, to be evidential, to, to reveal pe to people God life. God, people can't see God. They can see you and me. And they see God through us, through the lens of Jesus in me. And uh, Jesus is quite hectic on this tree to say, actually, you should be fruitful. That's no more. And friends, I want to I want to I want to exhort us over this time as we walk through this this passage through this through this sermon and kind of as we head into the week ahead to ask the question, how fruitful am I being? And to kind of start to apply some of these things that I believe are important as we walk through this journey of following Jesus. We also see in Genesis chapter one, verse 28, it says that God blessed them, Adam and Eve. He blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. Be, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And so we have this command that's the, it's the cultural mandate of humanity to be blessed. Because you're blessed, you're fruitful. But you're not just fruitful, you multiply because all fruit multiplies. Not just fruitful, you multiply and go and fill the earth with fruitful, multiplying people. We are called by God right at the beginning of the book to be fruitful. John chapter 15, verse 6 is another great text. Verse 16, sorry, John chapter 15, verse 16 says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Isn't it incredible? Jesus says to his disciples as he's winding up his ministry on earth, I have chosen you and I have appointed you to go and bear fruit. I've chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. Have you ever thought of yourself as one being chosen by God, but not just chosen, appointed by God to be fruitful? This is what Jesus says to his followers. This is all trying to build the argument that God expects us to be fruitful and he empowers us to be fruitful what about this last text on this little point romans chapter 7 verse 4 to 6 says this likewise my brothers you have also died to the law through the body of christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for god so paul is speaking to the romans and he's talking to them about their salvation, the great book of salvation, which is the book of Romans. And he says, you are no longer, you're dead to the law, but you've been raised to Christ. So in order that you may bear fruit for God. Bear fruit for God. We are called by the, by the very nature of our salvation to be fruitful human beings, fruitful followers of Jesus. We are called so that we may bear fruit for God. We are meant to be fruitful. Which leads me to my next point. What are some things that characterize fruitfulness 
or the kind of the fruitfulness that God is looking for. The kind of God fruit. God fruit looks like something. And these four things, I believe, characterize God fruit. You know, the reality is this. The Bible often talks about good, good trees come because of good roots. You put a bad root, you get a bad tree. You can't take apples off a pear tree. You can't take apples off a pear root. If the, if the, if the root is pear, the fruit is pear. And, and the, there's many stories in the scriptures in the New Testament in particular about this. But this, so in other words, what I'm trying to say is that you can actually bear fruit from a wrong source, but it's not God fruit. It's fruit of the flesh. It's sinful fruit. It's, it's kind of different kinds of fruit, but it's not God fruit. And so we've got to learn to distinguish God fruit from the rest of the kind of fruit that we can live our lives from or produce in our lives because we connected or rooted in the wrong things. So these four things, I believe, are things that characterize God fruit. Number one, it's visible and tangible. Visible and tangible. All fruit that God produces can be seen, can be touched. Because, and we're going to get on to why that's the case. Because actually fruit is for others. So all fruit that God produces, it's, it's evidential. It's not hidden away. It becomes, even if it's, if it's character fruit, if it's, it's deep within you, people start to notice, man, you are different. The way you respond is different. The way you love is different. I see you haven't got a short fuse anymore. What's happened? It's, it's evidential. It's tangible. As I said earlier, people can't see God, but they can see the effect of God in our lives. It can see the power of God in our lives, the fruit that we produce. It can, people can see the productive life of God in us as it produces fruit. All God fruit is visible and tangible. Secondly, all God fruit looks like God. It characterizes God. It carries the attributes of God. It, it carries the character of God in it. So, for example, a classic is this. The Bible says that you can speak in the tongues of angels. You can, you can do these amazing signs and wonders and miracles. But if you haven't got love, you're a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. So it's God fruit. You can produce fruit, but it hasn't got love. It's not God fruit. You're resounding. You're making a lot of noise, but you're not accomplishing anything. You're not really accomplishing it. You're not establishing anything. It's got to have love in it. And all God fruit looks like God. Because it's him producing it in us and through us. So because it's, it, it comes from God, it looks like God when it gets produced. And we've got to make sure that we are rooted in God to produce God fruit. So number one, all God fruit is visible and tangible. Secondly, it looks like God. It, it feels like God. It has the, has the essence of God in it. It produces God-like other fruit. Number three, all God fruit is not primarily for you. It's for others. It's for others to eat of. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Patience. You know, patience, people feel your patience as much as you do. I mean, when you're impatient, you get hit up and you get angry and you get, but actually people experience your patience. They experience your love. They experience your self-control. You see, all God fruit, we've got to remember, the fruit that God produces is tangible and visible. It looks like God and it's actually for others. The only kind of fruit that eats itself is rotting fruit. 
When fruit rots, it's kind of like indulging in itself and eating of itself. That's rotten fruit. Actually, God fruit is there for others to eat. And then fourthly, all God fruit is multiplying fruit. All God fruit has got many, many hundreds and millions of seeds in it. And so when people eat of our fruit, it gets reproduced in them. So all God fruit is multiplying. It's visible and tangible. It looks like God. It's not for me. It's for others. And it multiplies. It actually begins to produce other, that same fruit in others. Your life affects and changes the world that you live in, the people you contact in contact with, and slowly but surely plant seeds in their lives as you begin to live and you live this fruitfulness of your life. These, I believe, are four God fruit characteristics that we can't get away from. Point number three, what stops us being fruitful? What stops us from producing the, allowing the productive life of God to work through us? Well, if you look at Colossians chapter one, verse 10 in particular, talks about bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that, what that speaks to is the fact that actually to bear fruit comes from knowing God. So the more you know God, the more fruit you can produce. And when I say no, it's not an intellectual knowing. It's, not, it's an experiential knowing. It's a relational knowing. It's, a, it's not knowing about somebody. It's knowing them in particular. So when we get to know God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the, the power and the love and the person who is God, and we see that reflected so profoundly in Jesus, when we get to know that person, you can't help but become like that person. And so actually fruitfulness comes from knowing God. So if fruitfulness comes from knowing God, what stops us from being fruitful? Well, all the things that stops us from knowing God more. And Matthew chapter 13 is a great uh, example or parable about knowing God. Because it talks about, it's the, it's the story of the parable of the sower. And it's actually not about the sower, it's about the soil. It's about the conditions of people's hearts that are able to receive and produce fruit, receive seed and produce fruit or not. And what's profound is that actually um, this parable is told and it's said of this parable that if you don't know, if you, if, you, if you get to know this parable, if you can understand what this parable is, it'll actually unlock all the other parables. And so the reason for that is it's because our heart is what seed gets sowed into. And it's a heart that brings understanding and more than just our head. It's not just information, it's revelation that we live by and that we produce seed, seed from. And that parable talks about four soils. It talks about good soil, and that soil produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So it produces a crop that is 60, 30 of 100 fold. So, you, so if you throw, sow one seed, it will produce 30 more, 60% more, 60 more, 100 fold more. So it's the sense of you sow this amount, but actually what it produces is far more. That's what good soil does. That's what soil that is that is fertile, that is ready to receive the seed does. But it talks about three other soils that don't produce that kind of fruitfulness. And this is where I want to get to. This is what stops us from producing fruit. Number one is this, a hard heart. 
It says that the sow went and sow, put seed on the, on the path. And because the path was well trampled, actually the seed did not go in. And the birds came and took the seed away. And so it didn't produce a crop. And so what we realize is that if we are hard-hearted, we'll never produce the fruit that God wants us to. Hard-heartedness. What is hard-heartedness? Hard-heartedness, I think, comes from disappointment, hurts, unforgiveness, where our heart, start, our heart starts to get very calloused because of trying to protect itself, sometimes legitimately, sometimes illegitimately, trying to protect itself, it gets hard. And so what happens is this, the word of God, the seed of God can't get in there. And friends, that's it. a hard heart is a terrible place to be because if your heart is hard towards God, it'll be hard towards people. In fact, if you are harsh towards people, you probably think God is harsh towards you. And all of us have hardness of heart somewhere along the line. But a hard heart stops us from producing fruit. The second kind of soil that it talks about is shallow soil. It's full of rocks. And so it says the seed goes into the soil. It takes root. But as soon as the sun comes out and it gets hot, it wilts and dies. Because it hasn't got a depth to it. And uh, one of the, the, the second thing that stops us from being fruitful is shallowness of heart. So hardness of heart, but a shallowness of heart. Friends, we've got to get all the rocks out of our lives, all of the stuff out of our, out of our lives that stops the fruit penetrating. It gets in. It's like we, we get saved. We get so excited about what God's doing. We have these moments, but then very quickly we get disappointed again or we, we get hurt again or go through a tough time like COVID and we start to wilt a bit. Actually, it's an indication of we haven't got enough depth. It's Richard Foster, I believe, that said this, the most crucial thing in the church today, and he wrote his book, Celebration of Discipline, many years ago, decades ago. He said, is a lack of depth. Friends, we've got we've to not just not have soft hearts, but we've got to allow ourselves to deepen in God. Get to know Him better. Let the depth of our knowledge of Him increase and allow God to deepen deeply influence our lives so that we can become more fruitful. And the third kind of soil, I call it th a thorny heart. So a, a hard heart, a shallow heart, and a thorny heart. A thorny heart is where it says that the, there's so many thistles and th so many thorns in the soil. What happens is the seed goes in, but the weeds and the thorns choke it out. And so it doesn't grow. There's no fruitfulness. And uh, this kind of heart is, is, is kind of... When we get choked out, we get overcrowded out. We, we kind of, there's no space for the seed of God, for the word of God, for the, the, the seed to really take root, to get root, and because it gets crushed out, uh, overcrowded by the weeds. And there's the thing that, and it talks about three particular things that actually crowd out the word of God, the seed of God, and stop us from being fruitful in this kind of thorny context. The one is the worries of this life. It says the worries of this life. So what it means is, is actually we're getting more fearful about what's going on of us. We've taken our eyes off of Jesus. We've stopped following him. And the worries of this life, the worries of are we going to make it at the end of the month, uh, kind of the worries about our children. I mean, there's so many things that we can worry about in this world at the moment. Friends that cannot choke the seed. As soon as our worry becomes something that we get preoccupied with, it becomes an idol. Imagine making an idol out of your worries. It's just ludicrous. We, we can't. We, as soon as we find ourselves getting distracted from God because of the worries of this life, what it does, it's the choking effect of the seed that we need to produce fruit in our lives. 
that brings the joy and the hope into our lives, worries of this life. The other one is the deceitfulness of wealth. It is interesting to see that it doesn't say wealth chokes it out. It's the deceitfulness of wealth. We know this scripture. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. And so the deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth comes to us like a God. And, and you, know, you know when wealth is coming to you like a God because actually what wealth does when it comes to you like a God, it gets you to look up and look around at everybody else and think, I want that. I wish I had that. If only I had that, I need more money. Whereas the, when, when God is in control of our lives, it lifts our lives up to see Jesus, to see God, and say, I want to be like him. And what happens is the deceitfulness of wealth can come into our lives. We can have lived a life where we've worked hard and got our qualifications and got God's opened the doors, and the next thing we get a form of wealth, and the next thing the deceitfulness of wealth is on us, distracting us from God, and we start producing the fruit that we used to um, when we were younger. Of course, also talks about the desire for other things, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of life, of, of the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires desire of other things, the desire of other things besides God, material things, all sorts of things that compete for our affections. It says that this overcrowds the seed of God and what it does, it chokes it out and we stop producing fruit. So friends, the, the, the things that, that, that stop us from producing fruit, hardness of heart, shallowness of heart, and a thorny heart that chokes us out, chokes out the seed of God. And we've got to make sure that if we want to live fruitful lives, we keep, we, we, our lives are soft, our hearts are soft. We start to develop deep friendships with God, deep friendship with others. And we get rid of the weeds as they become. And we start to, and that's what friendship does. It begins to alert us of the weeds in our lives that actually need to be pulled out. Otherwise, it chokes out the seed that wants to produce fruit in our lives. Fourthly, to be fruitful, we need to sow. All farmers know this. No farmer expects to produce a crop that he hasn't planted. And we've got to make sure that if we want to be fruitful, we've got to sow. This is such a profound basic truth. If we can't expect a harvest if we're not sowing, if we're not planting, if we're not putting seed in the ground. And... Um, it is Colossians chapter, sorry, no, Galatians, I've got it here, Galatians chapter 6, that is so wonderful in this, in this text. About, it talks about not growing weary in doing good. Um, not growing weary in doing good. And we've got to, we've got to and it, it goes on to talk about how that when we, when we do good, it's like sowing, and if you don't, if you don't give up, and you don't, and and you're patient, and you and you allow God to do His work at the right time, you will produce a harvest. So one of the things that we cannot do, and especially in a season now where we're going through a tough time with a pandemic, is that we cannot, we cannot grow weary in planting seed. We cannot grow weary in doing good. And I want, to, I want to really want to make sure that we do encourage one another and make sure that we are producing fruit, that we are continuing to sow in this season so that we can ensure that we have a harvest in the next. We've got to keep sowing so that our harvest continues to grow and continues to be plentiful. 
So don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in sowing. You've got to sow. It goes on to say, use every opportunity. Use every opportunity to make sure that you are, that you are planting and that you will be uh, fruitful on every occasion. But big idea, if you want to be fruitful, you've got to sow. Now the question can be asked, so what? S-O-W, what? What do we sow? How do you sow? Okay, Stan, you're saying we've got to be fruitful and we've got to sow, but what do we sow? These are some things that are key to sow. Remember this, God's word never returns void. So whenever you sow God's word into your own life and into the life of others, it always will produce fruit if it is received with a, with a soft heart, a deep heart, and a non thorny heart. If, if, it put, if it's put into good soil, it will produce fruit. Can I just say this on the back of those words? All of us, at, all the time, have always got variations of hard, shallow, thorny, and good soil. We've got a mixture of all of those in different areas of our lives, and we've got to constantly make sure that we're softening the hard parts, we're deepening the shallow parts, and we, we're pulling the weeds out of the weedy parts um, to make sure that we're continually growing our area of good soil. But God's word never returns void. It will always produce fruit. So always sow God's word. And when I say so, friends, sow it into you. You've got to guard your own heart. Sow it into your own life, the word of God. It will produce good fruit. The second thing that we sow is Jesus, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. When you sow Jesus, when you sow the name of Jesus, when you pray for the sick in the name of Jesus, when you... When you sing about the name of Jesus, when you sow the gospel, when you talk to people about the gospel of the good news of Jesus coming to this world to, to save us from sin, to bring us back into relationship with God, the grace that we find in him, it will produce good fruit. The gospel is powerful and effective. Jesus, the name of Jesus is powerful. What about this? What if we sow time with him? What about sowing time with God? Friends, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we are sowing time with God. John chapter 15 is very good on this. talks about abiding with God and remaining with God. John chapter 15 verse 5 in, in the message version says this, When you were joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love that, the, the relationship intimate and organic. When we sow time with God, we begin, it's, that's what abiding and remaining is. We begin to produce fruit. Not just fruit. The NRV talks about, if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. He will not just bear fruit, but he'll bear much fruit. And there's this wonderful sense of us bearing fruit when we sow time with God. Let's not neglect sowing time with God. There's this wonderful sense in John chapter 15 where it talks about when there's no fruit, God discards the branch. But when there is fruit, he prunes it so that it can become more fruitful. So it goes from no fruit to fruitful to more fruit. And then he says, but no, I don't want to just give you more fruit. I want to give you fruit that remains. I want to give you fruit that lasts. So it's from no fruit to fruitfulness to more fruitfulness to much fruitfulness to fruitfulness that remains. And I believe maturity is learning to live with fruitfulness that remains. It's, it's continually producing fruit, not just on occasion, just, not just in seasons, but actually learning to live fruitful now as much fruit, but fruitful all the time kind of lives. 
Friends, we've got to learn to abide with God if we want to, if we want to produce fruit. Somebody said this, talking about children doesn't make a woman preg pregnant. Talking about children, a couple talking about children doesn't get the wife pregnant. We've actually got to be intimate for there to be fruitfulness. And um, we've got to remember that we're not just there to date God, kind of visit him on occasion. We've actually got to become one with him. We've got to marry him if you want to use that kind of metaphor. We've got to become one with him and learn to abide with him. Two people that love each other know how to abide with each other. Even when they're not with each other, they're thinking about each other. They're aware of each other. They, they're thinking, they're phoning each other. They're texting each other. They, they kind of live in this space where no matter whether they're traveling, whether they're apart from each other, whether they're working, there's this sense of abiding with one another and in one another as we think and have them in our thoughts. And we've got to be like that with God. We've got to have formal times with God, but we've got to have informal times with God. We've got to learn to abide with Him, where we have dedicated priority time with Him, where we're with Him. But more than that, in the everyday life where we, in a board meeting, we, we're making decisions, we're teaching, we're getting on with what we do, but we, we're aware of God and we're abiding with Him. We're constantly asking Him, aware of His presence, aware of His voice. All of that looks like abiding. We've got to sow time with God. What about sowing faithfulness? Sowing faithfulness. Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10, what I read, what I alluded to earlier, it talks about if you do not grow weary in doing good, in the due season you will reap. If we do not give up, if we do not give up, we've got to be faithful, friends. Faithfulness, you sow faithfulness. It's a, it's a commodity that is so in lack in the, in the church today. We've got to sow faithfulness. Be there. Be there at the right time. If your yes is yes, let it be yes. If your no is no, let it be no. Just be faithful. Be faithful with your presence. Be faithful with your words. Be faithful. What about friendship? Sowing friendship. You know, one of the things, if we want to reap a harvest of friendship, we've got to sow friendship. We've got to sow into friendships. We've got to give time to friendships. What about forgiveness? Sowing forgiveness reaps a harvest of life and hope and joy. What about sowing financially? You see, this is not just a financial sowing, but it includes financially sowing. If we will sow financially, friends, that what it's saying to us is God's first. God's first in my life. I'm not going to worship mammon. When we sow finances, somehow God really reaps and we begin to produce a harvest of finances amongst other things. What about encouragement? What about sowing encouragement? When we sow encouragement, when we bring, when we just sow life into people, they start, we begin to, begin to produce fruit that they begin to become something of what they call to be. What about sowing in worship? What about sowing in thanksgiving? What about sowing in prayer? These are all things that we, what about sowing prophetically? When we start to see something of what God has for people, we begin to sow into that. We begin to sow prophetically, we begin to see prophetically what God has. We begin to sow. As we sow prophetically, we begin to see the fruit of God starting to take, be born by those around us. What about love and obedience? A going. What about participating in the Great Commission? When we sow in our going, friends, we participate in the Great Commission. And what we do is we reap a harvest of the nations. All these are areas, and there's many more, that when we sow into these areas, we sow the seed of patience, we sow the seed of faithfulness, we sow the seed of spontaneity. As we have opportunity, let us not grow weary of doing good. It's like in the opportunity we sow. Recognize the moment, it's a moment in God and we sow. These are all ways of sowing and how we sow and what we sow, what we can sow. And if we do that, we'll produce a harvest of incredible fruitfulness.
Friends, I want to encourage you. And I want us to, I'd love us to just look at our lives and say, God, you've designed me, you've appointed me for fruitfulness. Help me to produce more fruit. You know from this sermon that you are called to produce fruit. You know that this fruit has got a number of characteristics. And you know that if you want to produce fruit, you've got to sow some seed. Let's sow some seed that we can produce fruit in Jesus' name. And let us, let us, be, let us, let us live lives which people can eat of. And when they eat of our lives, they start to become more like Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Bless you. Have an incredible day. And I trust your fruitfulness is on the rise. In Jesus' name.